Welcome to the Activity Quest Summit Camp. For all of August, we are camping out under the stars, discovering nature and having a lot of fun here at Activity Quest Summer Camp. Last week, we made our own shelters and we learned how to build a fire. This week, we're going to be on a night safari to find some animals, including bats. Now, bats are easiest to spot around dusk when they come out to feed. So watch the water. Bats need to hydrate themselves just as much as we do, so you'll often see them swooping around to take a drink from the water nearby. Bats are easier to spot during the summer months as they're out hunting for insects, and they are easiest to see at dusk when the sun has gone down. I've chosen a spot on a bridge because I can get a good view of the water in both directions, or find a straight part of the waterway so that you can see as far as possible. We've come to an area near the river, and I've got our torches on hand in case it gets too dark. Bats tend to avoid bright street lighting and prefer to fly in the dark, so try to find a location with as little light pollution as possible. And don't forget to take your torch for the walk home. I've just spotted a Dorbenton's bat, sometimes known as water bats, hunting over the water. Now they catch their insects with their feet, and they'll often feast while they're still flying. Okay, well I keep an eye out for the bats. Adam's here to tell you some of the best places to spot animals that come out at night. Thanks, Bex. Yes, first up, Lobarns Nature Reserve near Whittenley Ware is a great place to experience bats. This woodland, wetland and species-rich grassland habitat provides perfect roosting and foraging for many species of bat. Visitors to the reserve can watch bats as they emerge from their roost above the visitor centre entrance. Head to durhamwt.com for more info. And if you're interested in learning about moths, then head to Newton Nature Reserve in the Isle of Wight. You can find out about the butterflies and moths at Newton's regular summer wildlife walks and learn how to identify them on a Things on the Wing ranger tour. Fly over to nationaltrust.org.uk for more information. And if you ever wanted to see badgers in the wild... Well, the Scottish Wildlife Trust runs a series of events from June through to August at the Falls of Clyde in New Lanark, which gives a fantastic opportunity for observing badgers. You can go on a 45-minute guided walk through the reserve looking for nocturnal animals on the way before arriving at the badger viewing area. For dates and tickets, go to wildlifetrusts.org. Thank you very much, Adam. Now, producer Paul has been catching up with Shirley, who works for the Bat Conservation Trust, so let's take a listen. You could call me a bat enthusiast. I've been into bats for a very long time. I'm not going to say how long, but I do have to issue any interest in bats with a warning that they really are such amazing creatures that you can easily get hooked on them. I have to start by saying that so many questions about bats can be answered by one or both two answers. The first one is it depends what species they are. And the other is we don't know because there's still an awful lot we don't know about bats. But in this country, at any rate, um, we've got 17 species and you're only likely to see perhaps a very small number of those. They're not all all over the country and they're all different. But the great thing is that's important to us is they eat insects. So you'll only see them where there's a supply of insects and that's usually you know, where there are trees or plants, and better still, if there's water, that, that's a good bonus. And the bats you're most likely to see in your garden, which is good if you grow plants that attract insects, are pipistrels. And what, what do they look like? Are they distinctive looking to other species of bats? No. 
That's the trouble. <laughs> you re- It's very difficult to tell the difference when they're flying until you really get into it. They do have slightly different ways of flying, but pipistrels dodge around all over the place. They look as if they don't know where they're going, but in fact, they're chasing after insects. And the great thing is you think they look quite large, but the pipistrel, believe it or not, it would fit with its wings folded. It would fit into a matchbox. And even our biggest bats are just sort of twice that size. How do bats communicate with each other? Well, that's one of the don't know ones. People are working on it a lot. A lot has been done about the sounds that bats make when they fly because they, what we call, echolocate, they locate things by their echoes. They send out shouts and then they listen to the echoes that come back and that gives them a sort of sound picture, even if they're in the dark, of what's around them. But that isn't communication. That's finding their way and finding their supper. If uh, someone listening to this were to see a bat in the wild... What should they do? Should they sort of just make, be like nice and quiet or is there nothing really in particular they have to do? They can just sort of watch it. it, Watch it and enjoy it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. You're unlikely to disturb it um, because their hearing is sort of at a different level of ours. If you crunch around on gravel, that sound will come through and metal on metal cars and that may, may bother them but just you standing there and even just talking you're not too noisy won't worry them in the least they can fly away if they don't like the sound of you (laughs) the bat movement really got going way back in the 80s when all bats were protected um given protection because people realized you know numbers were going down and bat groups were formed just groups of people interested and by sort of 1990 was realized really needed a you know a national organization to pull all this together and so bat conservation trust was formed and and it is now the it is the only uk charity that's solely concerned with bats not just the bats themselves but also where they live and what they need with their concept what they need to survive so and was so keen to make sure that people realize just what amazing bats are and we want the whole everybody to work together you know people and bats to live together happily the bat conservation trust also has a junior membership the unbat workers club so if you if you can find out such a lot about bats if you go into their website which is bats.org.uk nice easy one to list to remember and you find all the details there Okay, let's continue to look up, but this time into the night sky because we're going stargazing with Meg. I've come to a hill in the countryside to try and do some stargazing. I've always loved stars and I love to look at them and imagine what life is like outside of our world. Now, the best thing is with this activity, you can do it wherever you are in the world. So if you're joining me from England, maybe you're joining me from Scotland, Wales, maybe Australia, maybe India, everywhere in the world you can be a stargazer. All you really need to stargaze is a view of the night sky and your eyes. Things like binoculars and telescopes can help, but you don't have to have them. And today I'm going to stargaze just using my eyes and I'm also going to use an app on my phone, which is completely free. 
Now, the darker, the better for seeing stars. So if you can go with an adult somewhere like the countryside after sunset, you'll be able to see an even better view of the stars. That's because lights in the cities can give off something called light pollution, which makes it harder to see the stars. So I've come to the countryside, I've set my blanket down on the grass, which was a good idea because it is a little bit wet where I am. Um, it's very chilly, I've got some hot chocolate in a flask and I'm looking up at the sky, ready to begin my stargazing. The first thing that I'm going to do is spot the moon. Now I think we can all find where the moon is, fingers crossed. Now if I look really carefully, I can see that the moon isn't all one colour. Some bits are darker, some bits are lighter. The darker parts of the moon are actually the shadow from the mountains that are on the moon. The mountains on the moon can reach 20,000 feet. So the moon isn't flat, it's really, really rocky. Okay, I'm going to take a picture. Now, the idea is if I take a picture every single night of this month, then I can make an album of the moon changing from a full moon to a sliver of a crescent. Um, and then I can put all these pictures up on my wall and maybe I could even make a flick book. Now I'm going to look for the brightest star in the sky. The brightest star in the sky isn't actually a star, it's a planet. Now, I'm stargazing in January, which means that it's very cold, but it also means that the brightest star, or the brightest star-looking object, is the planet Jupiter. Now, if I was stargazing in April or May, or maybe somewhere else in the world, it would be Venus. Planets don't make their own light. The Earth doesn't make its own light. Other planets don't make their own light. So the reason that they look bright is because they're reflecting the light of the sun, which is the same reason that we can see the moon. So Jupiter right now is reflecting the sunlight from our sun, and that's why I can see it. It's not quite bright enough for me to see but sometimes if you're lucky you can see Saturn it's normally near Jupiter and Saturn is a golden yellow and if you're really 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 lucky I haven't been this lucky tonight you might be able to see Mars it'll be this faint orange red because of the rust filled dust that covers its surface um, but for me tonight I could only see Jupiter We can tell which star is which by knowing the constellations. These are groups of stars and they form patterns in the night sky. For thousands and thousands of years, humans have marked where stars are by making patterns. For example, the constellation of Orion looks like a man holding a bow and arrow. And if we connect all the stars in Orion, that is what it looks like. Kind of like a connect the dots. Spotting patterns in the stars will be very hard the first time you do it. It's like when you started school and you had to remember everybody's names. Um, it's hard at first, isn't it? I remember starting school and I couldn't remember anyone's names. But then by the end of the year, I knew everyone's names. Think of constellations the same way. The first time you see a constellation, it'll be really hard to see it and to remember it. But if you do stargazing a lot, then you'll just be able to know them so easily. One of the easiest patterns to spot is the plough, which you might also hear being called Ursa Major um, by astronomers, although it is slightly different. 
The plow is nice and bright. Now, I find it by looking for a cooking pot. Um, that's kind of what it looks like to me. There are four stars that look like a little bowl, and then there are three stars that look like the handle of this bowl. To help me find stars, I've downloaded a free app called Skyview Light. Um, I'm holding it up to the sky and it's just connecting the stars for me through my camera and wow, there we go. Um, it's just spotted the constellation of Orion and the app has said it refers to a hunter in Greek mythology. If I move my phone to the right and I've just seen Pisces. Oh, brilliant, Pisces. So I'm using the Skyview Light app and it's brilliant for helping novice stargazers like me, maybe like you, spot stars and constellations. Hopefully a few more trips stargazing and I'll be able to spot them without the app. Now, what would you say if you could send a message out into space and towards the stars? I think I'd say how much I loved planet Earth. I hope that whoever was listening was as lucky as I feel to live surrounded by such nature and beauty. Or maybe I'd tell them how awesome pasta is and ask them if they have pasta on their planet. I think I've just seen a shooting star. Maybe it was a UFO. All right, brilliant stuff. Now, next time on Activity Quest, we're going to be learning how to make our own kites. And you can find out all of the activities from this episode at funkidslive.com right now. We'd love to know if you head out on your own camp adventure, what you're getting up to this summer. Just leave us a comment with a five-star review wherever it is you're listening to this or get in touch at funkidslive.com slash activityquest. I'm Bex, and this has been a podcast from the UK's children's radio station, Fun Kids. Listen on your DAB digital radio, online, on the free Fun Kids mobile app, and on your smart speaker. Just say, play Fun Kids. Have a great week from everyone at Activity Quest Camp. <laughs>